God's good, amen? Hallelujah. Well, Jesus is wonderful. And we have Ryan and their new, and Aaron, they have their new baby here with us today. Why don't you stand up and introduce. What was her name again? What is it? Lita? Lita. Okay. Lita Louise. Well, congratulations, guys. Wow, that's awesome. Well, isn't God good? I want one more announcement. Um, we have a, a, a what, what is it called? A um, Ethiopian dinner on Thursday night at the DF. And it's kind of for uh, Nathan and Anna for their um, political campaign. So if you wanted to come, free food? You want to wonder what Ethiopian food tastes like? This is, this is your moment in the sun to do that. Four o'clock. Starts at four. And Ethiopian coffee, too. I shouldn't have made this announcement. but So four o'clock at the DF. The DF is on the interstate up there. Hey, how do you guys like the road? Isn't that something? It's kind of like a, it's kind of like a Disney. Don't go to Disney anymore. Come here and, and drive through the road. Uh, it's kind of a water deal. Water. A thume, or what they call it, a thume, or loom, or floon, or whatever. It's like that, kind of. So good for you. If you have your Bibles, I want you to open them to 1 Corinthians chapter 13. We've been talking about hope. Actually, we've been, I, I told you last time that we've been talking about this verse here, faith, hope, and love, those three things. Uh, Paul says, uh, he was talking about, it's kind of the end of the love chapter. He says, meanwhile, these three remain, these three remain, faith, hope, love, and the greatest of these is love. And so a lot of times when people read that, because it says the greatest of these is love, they kind of like, well, then hope and faith aren't that important. But how many know they, that they're very important? And we've been talking about hope and how that hope, in First Thessalonians chapter 5, the Bible says that hope is a helmet. Let's read it. I'll read it. You can listen. First Thessalonians 5, 8 says, But let us who are of the day... Be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love, and for a helmet, the hope of salvation. So just like a helmet protects a soldier in battle, protects their brain, hope is like a helmet that protects our thought life, our mind. And uh, having hopeful thoughts, is that creates a, a helmet in our brain or in our mind. And that's very important. It's very important to be optimistic. I mean, I know that you're, we're constantly being bombarded by negativity, but it's important to be hopeful and to uh, have a, a confident expectation of good. Something good is about ready to happen. You've got to think that way, have those kind of thoughts. Someone goes, yeah, but something bad might happen. Well, of course something bad will happen because we live in a fallen world. But what we want to do is we want to put ourselves in a position where we can receive the good that God has for our lives. Amen. But it also says here that faith and love is a breastplate, covers our hearts. So faith and love is of the heart. It's a spirit, they're spiritual forces, and hope is of the mind. And they all work together. And a lot of people don't realize how they work together, but they actually do work together. Uh, hope, a lot of times, is the starting point for faith. And, and, and sometimes... Faith inspires hope, so they kind of work together. And the Bible says that faith, uh, 
that faith worketh by love. Faith is active by love. The more you hear about God's love for you, how he, how he cares about, what, how, about you, how he's concerned about you, your faith will grow. Your faith soars. So these three, although they're separate, they do work together. And so we, have, we should have that confident expectation of good. Turn to your neighbor and just say, something good is about ready to happen to you. But you see, the interesting thing about it is, the reason people are fascinated, if you, if you read the Bible at all, the reason people are fascinated with faith is because of what the Bible says faith is capable of. You know, the Bible says that all things are possible with God, but then it says all things are possible to him that believes. And so it kind of puts, puts faith in an area where it's like anything could happen. You know, like we were, talk, we were singing this song, uh, presence of the Lord is here, anything could happen. Well, that's what faith actually does, is faith gives us that perspective that anything could happen. No matter what you're facing right now, actually faith could cause that situation to turn around. You know, um, it's interesting. You know, the Bible talks about a woman in Mark chapter 4. The Bible says that she had an issue of blood. That means that she was bleeding internally. And she, it says that she, she, ble she was bleeding for 12 years and that she suffered many things of many physicians and she had not grown better, but it actually had gone worse. So you think about that situation. She had, she had struggled with this bleeding. I, I don't know... I mean, I, I haven't had that happen to me, obviously, but, um, but if, you, if you're in a situation and you've been struggling with it for 12 years, and it said that she suffered many things of many physicians, and she hadn't grown better but had grown worse. So, you know, if you've ever been involved in a situation where you're checking with a doctor, then they send you to another doctor, and then they send you to another doctor, and everybody's trying to help you, but there's no help for you, and you've been struggling with it for 12 years. Not only is this a bad situation in itself, but they say that if you have an issue of blood, that you are considered to be unclean. So you're in the same category of a leper. You're not to be around people. And so, so basically you're in isolation. You've suffered all these things from all these physicians. And it's just like one dead end after another. And you could probably feel like there's no hope for me whatsoever. I don't know if you've ever been in a situation where where you feel like hopeless. But then it says, it says that she heard about Jesus. When she heard about Jesus, she came in the press behind him. Somebody evidently told her that Jesus healed people. Somebody evidently told her that people would just touch him and they would get healed. And so they told her that, and somewhere faith came alive in her heart. Something came alive inside of her. And she, she kept saying... In the Greek, it says she kept saying, if I touch him, I'll get healed. If I touch him, I'll get healed. See, what she said was her faith speaking. What she said it was, it was her faith speaking. See, it's interesting. People don't understand the power of words. In the New Testament, words, because I should say in the New Covenant, words are really important. You can't get saved without words. Because the Bible says if we believe in our heart and confess with our mouth that Jesus, Lord, will be saved. And when the Holy Spirit comes, it's so interesting. What does the Holy Spirit do? He, he, he marks your tongue. He marks your language. And he gives you a language that is not of you. He, he goes to, to, to the power of your words. 
He marks your words. In the New Testament, words are so important. You know, we just we sang that song where it talks about uh, no weapon formed against us will prosper. And, and, and that's, that's a true New Testament promise. But you know what the next verse says? It says, every tongue that rises against us in judgment is condemned. So the weapon that is formed against us is, is words. People speak words. You know, sometimes we don't realize this. But, you know, when, you, when you're praying for somebody, but then you're constantly saying over that person's life, what's wrong with them? You're praying for somebody to change. I want this person to change. This person needs this or this person needs that. And then you spend all your time speaking the opposite of what you're praying. You're canceling out your prayers. Preach, Steve, I believe I will. Because words in the New Testament are very, very important. Jesus said, by your words... You'll be justified, and by your words, you'll be condemned. You can't get saved without, without confession. And one of the things that faith is, faith demands confession. In fact, what you say is what you believe. So you, if you have a person in your life that you're praying for, how many know, I like people to pray for me. I, I remember my mother, you know, she was a great prayer warrior, and she would pray, but she, it was kind of funny. She, if somebody, if she was praying for somebody, and, and she was in the presence where somebody would say something negative about that person. She would ne never join in. And I remember one time I was talking about somebody that I know she was praying for. And I was like, you, you know, I was being a human, you, you, you know, you know, like like you. And I was going, boy, that person, I was, I was just kind of like saying, that person is never going to amount to nothing. That person, you know, I just going on and on, you know, that person needs somebody to give them a swift kick in their you know, rear, you know, what, you know, I was, I was saying all this stuff. And my mom finally looked at me and she said, that person's going to serve God. And I thought, wow, she's praying for that person. And she refused to let her mouth go anywhere but what she was praying for. Because you're, what you say is your faith speaking. You know, you can change what you say, but really what you need to change is you need to change what you believe. Preach, Steve, I believe I will. And see, so that's what this woman did. Is she, she said, if I touch him, I will get healed. I will get well. If I touch him, I will get well. The first thing that she said, and it was her face speaking, because when, Jesus, when, she, when she did got healed, Jesus said, your faith has made you well. Your faith. He didn't say my faith. He didn't say my power. It was power. But he said, your faith made you well. Your faith drew that power out of me and, and went into your body and changed your situation. And so the first thing that she did was she said, she said, if I touch him, I'll get well. If I touch him, I'll get well. If I touch, that was her faith speaking. Your, 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 faith, your faith has a voice. Faith has a voice. It's in Romans chapter 10, it says, faith speaketh on this wise. Faith has a voice. There's a voice to faith. And we need to give, we need to give rise to the faith that we have in our hearts. We need to speak what we believe. Amen? It's so easy to, to speak what you see. What do you see? You know, you know just like blah, blah, blah. We've got to stop being so human. I mean, I, I believe in being human, and I like being human, but there's, there's a greater call in our lives. Amen? And we've got to rise, we've got to lift it up a little bit, folks, and start not just calling things the way they are, but we've got to start calling things the way... Uh, God says they are. Amen? Amen? You know, it's interesting. You know, the, another principle of faith 
is, is how you see things, is how you see things. It's important to see things as God sees them. You know, I, I was thinking about this one day, and, um, uh, and, and if you've struggled with something for a long time, it's hard to see, any, see it any different. Like if, you're, if, you, if your kids are a certain way or if your mate is a certain way, it's hard sometimes to see it any other way, but Scripture will give you a new picture. Scripture will give you a new picture of the situation. And I, I remember one day I was reading through the story of, I was studying the story of Abraham. And you maybe have heard me say this before, but I was studying the story of Abraham. And the thing that hit me was that God gave Abraham two pictures. And I thought, why did God go through so much trouble to get Abraham to be fully persuaded? Why did he go through all that? Like, so, so during the nighttime, God took him out of the tent and he said, can you count stars? And Abraham's looking. Can you, have you ever tried to count stars? I mean, at first you can start counting them, but after a while they sort of just kind of blend together. You know what I mean? They kind of just blend together. And you can't count them, but you, someone says you can count up to 8,000 stars if you, if you concentrate. I don't know if that's possible, but, but that's a lot of stars. So Abraham said, can you count the stars? So I don't know if he's out there going, one, two, three, till finally, and, and, and in certain climates, stars shine brighter. You know, have you ever been into a desert climate? Because our climate, there's a lot of moisture in the air, and so it kind of clouds the, the stars a little bit, so it's not as, as vivid. But you go to a desert climate where there's not a lot of moisture in the air, man, them stars, they just... They just like in your face. And so Abraham's out there looking at these stars, and God said to him, So shall your descendants be. And then, so that's that's a wonderful picture. But then during the day, he said, Your descendants shall be as the grains of sand. So can you imagine Abraham picks up sand and he goes, one, two, three. He goes, Man, this is crazy. And God says, so shall your descendants be. And so it didn't matter if it was in the morning or daytime or at nighttime. There was a constant picture in his mind, in his imagination of what God wanted to do in his life. And the Bible says that Abraham became fully persuaded. You know, God wants us to become fully persuaded. Amen. He wants us to become fully persuaded. He wants us to be, get to the point where we're on the same page as him. Because how many know that God doesn't walk around going, I just don't know what to do? I mean, I'm nervous. If you ask me, I'm a little nervous. You know, he, he, How many know God's not like that? You know, years ago, you've probably heard me tell this story, but years ago I was going through a lot of difficulty, and I was praying to the Lord, and I was asking him to help me. And I felt like I was in a little 12-foot duck boat, flat bottom duck boat in a hurricane and I was and I had a little you know CB radio and I was going help you know that's that, that, that's the picture I had you know you want pictures that's my picture and and so when God answered me I I not only heard what he said to me but I felt the environment that he was talking to me from and it was total peace I just got the feeling that he was sitting around because it says around the throne there's a sea of glass. That means there's, he's not nervous about anything. There's no wind currents up there going, 
You know, it's not, something's not blowing off his hat or whatever. I don't think he wears a hat, but whatever. But, but it's total peace. And, and, and so he's not nervous about anything. And he wants us, and that's why over and over again, the first thing that the angel would come and say to people, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Amen? So let me just, if you haven't seen an angel lately or never seen one, let me just tell you what he would say to you. Don't be afraid. Amen? Only believe. All things are possible to those that believe. You see, what people don't understand is, you know, we talk about, like Neil was talking about, the Holy Spirit and how Jesus said, it's to your advantage that I go away. If I don't go away, the Holy Spirit won't come, but if I go, I'll send him to you. He said, to your advantage. Come on, really? He said, it's to your advantage that I go away. And so we should be better off today because of the Holy Spirit, Jesus has gone to heaven, provided a place for us in redemption, and we, he sent the Holy Spirit, so we should be better off. But sometimes people don't understand the language of the Holy Spirit. Dr. Cho, who was the pastor of the world's largest church, he used to say that visions and dreams are the language of the Holy Spirit. Visions and dreams are the language of the Holy Spirit. In other words, the Holy Spirit will will give you a picture of of the success the thing that he wants to do in your future he'll give you a picture of it and so he wants he wants you to see yourself turn to your neighbor and say you need to see yourself so sometimes if you need healing you need to see yourself healed if, if you're praying for your family you need to see your family reunited you need to see and because God gives you pictures he gives you pictures. I mean, I've seen my grandkids. I've seen them worshiping God with their hands up and tears streaming. You said you saw that literally? No, I saw it first in my imagination. And I wasn't trying like, okay, Steve, picture this. I wasn't trying to do that. I was just getting with the presence of God, and God gave me that picture. Because visions and dreams are the language of the Holy Spirit. He gave me that picture, and I hung on to that. When God gives you a picture of your future of what what he wants to do in your life or through your life or in your family or in your body or in your finances or your future whatever it might be when God gives you don't let go of that and 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 confess into that because that's very important the thing about it is that hope is a mental thing it's an optimistic view of the future but faith the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1, that faith gives substance to hope. Faith, in Hebrews 11, 1, it says, now faith is a substance, or it gives substance to the things hoped for. You know, it's sort of like this, if you, if you can permit me to give you a little example. When you, before you got married, one of the things I do in marriage counseling is I, I ask the prospective wife and the prospective husband, how do you see marriage? Because let me tell this to you. You don't get married without picturing what it's going to be like. And I'm going to tell you this right now. The guy pictures it a lot different than the woman. I mean, and so you have two worlds about ready to crash. And, and I remember one time, the, the way I kind of came across this was, there was a singer years ago that I really liked. It was a lady. And she wrote this song about Jesus, our, our prince, and she goes, when I was a little girl, this is what she said, 
When I was a little girl, she goes, I used to always sing the song from the fairy tale. Someday my prince will come. So everybody now look over at your husband and say, there's my prince. <laughs> someday my prince will come. I don't know the rest of the song, but, but someday my prince will come. And so she has a vision of what marriage is like. And he has a vision of what marriage is like. And they're different. See, that is a picture, that's a picture, that's what hope is like. Hope is like that. Hope is like that vision or that picture that you have of what marriage is going to be like. When you get married, all of a sudden, hope switched to faith. Because now you got the substance. Now you're totally committed. Now you're totally in. You're not sitting on the bleachers going, this is what it's going to be like. Now you're in the game, buddy. And, and that's the thing about faith is that when you, when, when you believe, when, you, when faith comes, it's, you're no longer sitting there dreaming. Now you're in the game. You're totally committed. Now something is happening in your life. Now you, you, uh, you're totally activated. You're totally in. Does that make sense? You see, Jesus said this in John, and I, I read this verse last week. But look at this verse, John chapter 12, in verse... 23 through 26 it says Jesus replied the time has come because there are some people that said we want to see Jesus and Jesus said the time has come the son of man to be glorified I tell you solemn a solemn truth unless a kernel of wheat falls into the ground and dies it remains by itself so now he's I think he's talking about his life his own life because and that's true with, with, with a kernel of wheat. Like I said this to you last week. You know, I was going to bring a, a bag of seeds here. And I was going to show you different seeds. But I'm not a gardener, so I, I didn't want to go buy seeds and just throw them away. Because I think they're expensive now. Everything seems to be expensive. I, I, that's a negative statement. <laughs> but, but anyways, um, but, but, you know, as long as that seed is in that bag... It remains alone. It remains by itself. Right? But if you take that seed and you plant it, all of a sudden, what's ever in that seed will start to come out once it's been planted. Isn't that true? All the seed needs is environment. All the seed needs is environment. It just needs a certain environment. And all your life needs is just a certain environment. In, a certain, in the right kind of environment, you're, you're gonna, what's inside of you is going to come out. Because the Bible says that Christ is in us, the hope of glory. In Philemon, it says that the communication of your faith becomes effective by the acknowledging of every good thing that's in you in Christ Jesus. Someone goes, there's something good in me? Oh, yeah. God made a de- When you got saved, God made a deposit inside of you. And that... That is the life of Christ in you. And that life is, is the hope of glory. In other words, you're, of you seeing the glory of God in your life. And so what happens is when your life is planted, when it's in the right kind of environment, what's in you starts coming out. I mean, don't you feel like that sometimes when you're worshiping? When you're hearing an inspiring sermon? Sometimes you, maybe, sometimes you feel like you, know, you could bite the back of the chair out. You know, you know what I mean? You just want to kick something. You just want to turn over something you just want to 
yell at something, you want to run, run around the church, you want to scream or holler, you want to swing from a chandelier, but we took all the chandeliers out, so you can't swing from the And so it's like, what's going on around here? But something is stirring inside of you. I remember, you know, being in situations and, uh, and, and, and like listening to a sermon on, on tape or something or listening to some, some, worships, some worship music, and all of a sudden, I mean, it just comes over me. How many know what I mean? And I'm going, wow. I just feel like, I just feel like, you know, the Bible says the righteous are as bold as a lion. I feel like a lion. I mean, I feel like I take on anything. It says this is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. It's like your faith starts to stir up. What happens is what's in you is starting to come out. And that's what Paul says. Paul says that we are troubled on every side, but we're not in despair. Why is that? Because there's something working inside of every believer. If you're in the right environment, what's inside of you is going to come out. You put a seed in the right environment, it's, it's going to come out. What's in it's going to come out. You say, what kind of seed was it? Well, we will find out in a minute, won't we? Well, not in a minute, obviously. But we'll find out in the process of time. If we, but if we don't plant it, we'll never find out. Right? We'll never know. If, you're not in the, if you don't get into the right environment, we'll never know what, what you are. You just go to heaven as a seed. Say, here I am, Jesus, I'm the seed. He goes, you should have been planted in the right environment, and what was I put in you will come out. And that's what, why it's so important for us to be in the right kind of environment. Amen. You see, if your faith... If your faith loses its aggressiveness, it's because the senses have taken over dominion in your life. There should be an aggressiveness to our faith. Poke your neighbor and say, you need to be more aggressive. Not, not mad aggressive, not, ang- not that way, but I mean, your faith needs to be more aggressive. Amen. And if you're in the right environment, what will happen is what's in you will start coming out. What's in you will start coming out. The life of Christ will start coming out. See, that's what, that's what God was trying to do with Abraham. See, Abraham looked like a, a, a fatherless man. Or not a fatherless, a childless man. That's what he looked like. If you, if you say, what's Abraham? He's a, he doesn't have any kids. He's fatherless, right? Or not, he's childless. He's not a father. He's childless. That's what you'd say, right? Get these terms straight here. You'd say that. But when God showed up, God said, not only are you not childless, nations are in you. Really? Yeah, and I'm going to get you in the right environment. See, some of you, you're the, you've got, allowed yourself to become the product of your environment. We've allowed certain environments. We, we, we're not in. We're, we're around a bunch of no uh, negative people. Do nothings. Go to the coffee shop and they sit around drinking coffee, going, "There ain't nothing to do. You can't make it. There's no uh, no way you can farm today. You can't run a business today. You can't do this today. You can't do that today. You just want to go shut up, right? I mean, am I the only one? I, if you sit there. With those do-nothings, you're going to end up in deciding there ain't nothing to do. And you can't, you are helpless, you're a victim, and you can't do anything. You can't accomplish great things. 
But when you get in the right environment, what happens is what God deposited in you starts to come out. You know, it's, it's, it's kind of interesting. I went, years ago, I went to, uh, I went moose hunting in Canada, way, way up. And it's the, it was the moose hunt, moose hunt from hell. I mean, we, we got, we brought a U-Haul trailer, a big U-Haul trailer, because there was six of us, and we were going to bring six back, six my, um, uh, my, uh, moose. And, uh. And so, and then we had deer license. We we're going to bring back six deer, and we and we had duck license. We we're going to bring back ducks. I mean, it, it, we 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 thought, well, we got six moose, six deer, and a bunch of uh, ducks and grouse. We need a U-Haul trailer, so we brought a U-Haul trailer all the way up there, and parked it at the landing, and then we went up another 20, 30 miles by boat, set up camp. But um, I mean, it was it was the moose it was the moose hunt from hell, but. But the thing is, I remember when we first got there, uh, you know, we got out, we were all optimistic. Yeah, we're going to do this thing, and it's going to be awesome. And, and there was a guy cooking fish there, and he just, just rained on our parade. I mean, he just said, there ain't no moose around here. And, and he's saying all this stuff, and I just wanted to attack him. And then instead of, we should have canceled out his confession, but instead uh, he, his, he was a prophecy. Amen. Came to pass. But we need to have, be in a different kind of environment. The sea needs to be in the right kind of environment. But one of the things that happened on that trip, we were out, we were at night, we were sitting around a campfire. And it was cold, and we're all sitting around there. And all of a sudden, I could hear these dogs barking. I mean, we're, there, I thought to myself, well, there's no dogs around here. I said, so I asked the guy. And so then he started to, the, the guide started to make the sound they were making. And I go, what, what is it? You know, I'm a city guy at this point. I, I've learned a lot since then. But I'm a city guy, and so I go to the guy, what, what's that? He goes, those are wolves. I say, well, shut up. Don't call. We don't want them here. But he says, wolves are basically not that brave when they're alone. So when they get, when they get together at the beginning of the night, they get together and they hoop it up. They try to psych each other up. Woo, we bad. We bad. Woo, woo, woo. We bad, we bad. We're gonna kill tonight, boy. We're gonna rip some. We're gonna rip some hearts out of some animals, and we're gonna devour. We're gonna rip some hides off. We bad. Woo woo. Yeah, are we, are we bad? Yeah, we're bad. Woo woo. Now you go. What does that have to do with anything? That, that's the environment. We need to be with people that go. We bad. We bad. Not bad in in the bad sense, but I mean, bad in a slang sense. I mean, we're we're like we're awesome. How's that? That's better. We're spiritual. We're, we're aggressive. We're full of faith. We're full of joy. We're full of peace. We're full of hope. We can do this thing. We can be overcomers. We will triumph. We will win. Praise God. God's for us. This is going to happen. We're going to make it happen. Be around a bunch of people that like that. Instead of being around people that goes, man, nothing ever works out for me. I don't know. It's getting bad, and it's probably even worse. The road to church is underwater. <laughs> Next week, the church will be underwater. I'm not saying that, but, but I mean, you, you understand what I'm saying. Well, it's getting bad, but it could get worse. You know, like I heard a guy say one time, I said, we were, we were talking about, he talked about going through stuff. And, and I said, it's not going to stay like this. 
And his, and his wife said, no, it could get worse. <laughs> Go to your room. <laughs> Sit in the corner. You need a timeout. Right? You're not working with us here. I mean, God's going to go, come here. He's going to have to take you out somewhere. Can you count stars? Or maybe have you count lint or something. I don't know. But, but, but there has to be a different perspective. How many can see what I'm saying? So when it comes to faith, the difference is between hope and faith is that when it comes to hope, it's like we're in the bleachers watching the game. And we, sometimes we, we might get a little aggressive and get a little excited. But when it comes to faith, we're in the game. We're not watching from the sidelines any longer. We, we're in the game. You know, it's like this last week. You know, it was Mother's Day. Thank God for mothers. And, uh, and, and I was thinking about this. Because I think motherhood is a picture of faith. Because what happens is, when you're, when you're, when before you're a, a mother, uh, girls, they dream about becoming a mother, I think. I, I, I think they do. And they, and they probably have certain ideas of what it's going to be like. But I'll tell you, they're, they're, they're looking mostly at the high points. Right? Oh, the kids are so cute. The little darlings. We're going to dress them up. We're going to feed them. The, right? That's what they're seeing. But really, when the reality comes, it's like, you know, it's different. And so... <laughs> So, so here's what happens, because I'm going to picture this like faith, because what happens is, um, so, so a woman, a mother comes and says, I'm pregnant. So what do we do? Woo! You're going to need some encouragement. <laughs> right? We're, we're all excited, and we should be excited, because God ordained that child to live at this time. That child is a gift from God. I mean, that's, that's amazing. Every child is amazing. And, and, and abortion is a vile, evil, demonic, horrible thing because it doesn't just kill a child, it suffocates destiny because every child was ordained by God to be here. But, but when, that when that mother, when she gets pregnant, she's no longer hoping, she's no longer dreaming for a child. She's in now. And all of a sudden things start happening to her body I mean, I don't know, but I assume. And there's stretching. There's all this stuff that happens. Then after the child is born, which is a, a major issue, then there's, there's, uh, there's all this other stuff. How many know what I mean? You know, you, you see a mother, you go, how you doing, Mom? Oh, I slept. Because what happens is the, the child becomes the master. Have you ever thought about that? The child becomes the master. The child decides when you're going to sleep. And the child decides where you're going to spend your money. You're not going to buy diamonds. We're buying diapers. Right? The child decides where you're going to eat. Now, I like McDonald's. I, I go on record. I'm a, I'm a number one guy. And I don't ever eat there, but uh, if I could get away with it, I would eat there. And I'm a number one guy. I'm a Big Mac with fries and a, something to drink. That's, that's me, okay? But, but how many know we, we never ate there unless when the kids, we had kids, then we ate there. You know, want to know why we ate there? Playground. The kids determined. I, I went to places. I went to Chuck E. Cheese. <laughs> I mean, the, the, 
I should be careful what I say here, but pizza's like, are you kidding me? Is this edible? I mean, and then you do all this stuff and you get stamped or get like, what do you call them? Tickets. You get tickets. You cash them in. You get a little trinket toy. And I'm going, are we having fun yet? But I, I went there. I went there totally because the master, <laughs> right, told me to. And I loved it. Not really. But I did so many things because my kids wanted to. Isn't that true? And that's how it is when you have, when, when you have kids, is you're all in. Turn to your neighbor and say, you'll be all in. You won't be on the sideline. You won't be watching from the bleachers. I mean, even if you want to watch from the bleachers. You know, I, I told you when my wife and I had our first kid, how are you guys doing? Are you guys doing all right? The sermon's turning out okay, right? Okay. So uh, I remember when we had our fr first kid, one of the things that we, I, I didn't want to have a kid because I, I had a great smeller and poopy diapers drove me crazy because we'd have friends that had kids and they, the, you know, the kid would go and I'd be like, should we change this kid? I mean, just, somebody needs to change this kid. I'd be telling him, well, we want to make sure he's done. Yeah, but I'm dying over here, you know. <laughs> I won't be eating for a week, you know. <laughs> and so... Uh, so I, I, I told my wife, I don't want to change diapers. I mean, I, I mean, I, I'm thinking I'm going to throw up, you know. And she said, you won't have to change anything. So that lasted a very short period of time because she, we had a one kid and and the kid had a she went shopping and she said he'll be fine for a couple three hours, but then as soon as she left, I heard this sound. <laughs> I hear a sound. It wasn't quite like that. It was like, <laughs> and I go, I didn't hear that. I just ignore that. I rebuke that in Jesus' name. And we didn't have cell phones back then. So I went there and looked, and I'm telling you, it, was, it wasn't just a little thing in the, a little surprise in the diaper. It was a surprise in the diaper, sleeper, bassinet. It, it was, we had a surprise. So I just took the kid and hosed him down in the. But my point is, is when you have a kid, you're all in. Turn to your neighbor and say, you're all in. And that is a picture of faith. When you have faith, you're all in. You're not shimmy shimmy around the sidelines. You're all in. You're in 100%. You know, I remember I heard this story one time about this, it's kind of a sad story about this Korean boy, but it kind of gives you a picture of motherhood and being all in. There was a little Korean boy who grew up, and he, one day he noticed, he got to be about 10 or 12 years old, he, he noticed that his mom and dad were white. And he noticed, well, I'm Korean, you're white, so obviously you're not my parents. That kind of came to him, you're not my parents. So he goes, how did you come to be my parents? And the parents go, it's a very sad story. But we were missionaries in Korea. And when the communists came down and attacked South Korea, we had to flee for our lives. And we were in a Jeep, this husband and wife, these husband and wife missionary, we were in a Jeep and we were fleeing the communist insurgency. And we crossed this bridge and we were in a hurry and people were dying and 
We crossed this bridge, and all of a sudden the mother goes, stop. I heard a baby cry. And he goes, we can't stop. The communists are coming. No, I heard a baby cry. And it was like supernatural. And so they stopped, and they got out, and they went underneath the bridge, and there they found a dead mother with a child, and the child was still alive. But here's the thing. The mother froze to death. Because she gave birth to that child underneath that bridge. And then she took her clothes off. And she wrapped that baby. Because that baby was cold. She wrapped that baby. And then she froze to death. And that child was alive. And the missionary said to the little boy, you are that boy. And you know, I, I, thought, I heard that story and I thought, you know, that's a picture of salvation. That's what Jesus did for us. He saw that we wouldn't survive, and so he died. He clothed us with his righteousness. He clothed us with his goodness. He clothed us with salvation. And he died in our place so that we could live. You know, it's interesting. The way I heard about the story was a pastor saw a picture of a, a naked little boy standing in a field overlooking a bridge. And they, that boy asked his mother, and father, if they could take him back to Korea and find that bridge. And he took his clothes off. He said, Mother, when I was cold, you clothed me. You, Mother, when I wouldn't survive, you died so that I would, be, I would survive. Mother, I want, to, I want to do this for you. And that's really a picture of salvation. When we, when we understand salvation, what Jesus did for us, it, it demands a response from us, doesn't it? It demands, Lord, I'm going to be all in. I'm not going to be half-hearted about this. I'm going to be all in. I'm going to be 100% all in. And that's what, let's go back to this verse here, and I'll try to bring this to a close. That's a moving story, isn't it? So, <clears throat> in John chapter 12, one more time, let's try to finish the verse. Jesus replied, the time has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. I tell you the solemn truth, unless a kernel of wheat falls into the ground and dies, it remains by itself alone. But if it dies, but if it dies, it produces much fruit. And that's what happens to a seed. It goes through a death process. But then, so I think that he's talking about himself, but then he says this, the one who loves his life destroys it. And the one who hates his life in this world guards it for eternal life. If anyone, and then the last verse is, if anyone wants to serve me, he must follow me. And where I am, my servant will be also. In other words, he, he's all, we're all in. We're 100% committed. We're, we're going to be where he is. Where is he? That's where we're going to be. We're not going to retain our lives. We're not going to keep uh, control of our lives. We're not going to make the decisions for our life. Our, fa our faith needs the environment of total surrender. I'm totally in. I'll follow you no matter where you go. You did everything for me. I'll follow you wherever you go. If anyone serves me, my father, and here's the blessing that comes, my father will honor him. You know, God gives us promises. And every promise in the Bible is like a seed. Every promise in the Bible is like a seed. People wonder sometimes, well, what is God's will? What is God's will? 
Well, God's will is what he said. Right? I mean, God doesn't will one thing and say something else. What he says is his will. And here's the thing. Someone goes, well, I, I don't know if, he, if he'll do this. He said, he said he would do this, but I'm not sure if he'll do this. Well, if he said it, it's like a seed. And every seed has within it the power to bring to pass what it says. Isn't that true? So like a corn seed, we don't put it in the ground and say, Lord, <laughs> we're praying for corn here, Lord. We don't do that, do we? Because we know that that seed's going to produce what? Corn. So what is, what is verses on victory? What do they produce? It, they produce in us victory. What do verses on healing produce in us? It produces healing. What do verses on freedom from fear and torment produce in us? Freedom from tor torment and fear produces peace in us. You say, yeah, but I don't know if it's God's will. It's too late. The seed has within it the power to bring it to pass. Let me give you one last verse here, and then we'll close this up. Turn over here to Hebrews chapter 4 real quickly. Hebrews chapter 4. I, don't, I didn't put that in my notes, so it won't come up on the screen. But if you do have your Bibles, look at what it says here. Hebrews chapter 4, in verse 12, it says, For the word of God, for the word of God is living and powerful. There it is right there. The word of God is living and powerful. What is it? Living and powerful. What is the word of God? Living and powerful. It's living and powerful. It's alive. It's a living thing. It's living and powerful. Sharper than a two-edged sword, piercing even the division of soul and spirit, joints and marrow, is a discerner in thoughts and intents of the heart. The Word of God is living and powerful. It's active. It's a living thing. And so, you know, when you plant a seed in the ground, if the ground could talk, the ground would say, something's going on. Wouldn't it? Like, you know, sometimes you, I see these fields that get planted, and you, you wonder if the ground is going, I don't know, but something's going on. Something's going on. Something's happening in here. And that's, and that's what God wants to do. When, the, when we receive the word, it's like we, we would say like that. Something's going on. Something is happening here. Something's happening. The seed is working mightily in me. All the seed needs is the right environment. All the seed needs is the right environment. You know, I don't know about, I started with talking about this woman with the issue of blood. I don't know. I, I, I always try to imagine the story. And I imagine that she was hanging around a bunch of other people that probably had some of the same things going on that she had going on. And I think somebody came and told them, Jesus is healing people. I was at a meeting the other day, and everybody there got healed. And I just imagine that she goes, what? Are you kidding me? And I don't know what the other people thought, but I just imagine that they all maybe thought the same thing. I don't know. Maybe they didn't. But she needed to be in an environment, and she kept saying, if I touch him, I'll get healed. If I touch him. I'll get healed if I touch him. That's why I like our, a lot of our songs that we sing, because they're songs about victory. They're songs about triumph. 
the songs about the goodness of God. You need to be in an environment where you hear songs about the goodness of God, where you hear songs about it's possible. All things are possible. Jesus is Lord. He is, he is over all things. There's no problem too big for him. There's nothing that he can't settle, he can't solve. You need to be around songs like that, but you need to be around people like that. So then we get together, we just like, we just t- bunch of crazy, tenacious, amen? In a good sense. You know, it says, um, I remember, I used to look up all these phrases in my youth, I used to look up all these phrases when I was a young preacher, where it's one, one phrase was, the Lord shall roar out of Zion. That sounds tenacious, doesn't it? So I used to say, okay, everybody, Zion's the church. The Lord shall roar out of Zion. So let's all roar. So it's so funny watching people. Some people are like, rah! You know, they're like... Uh, you know, Braveheart. You ever seen that movie, Braveheart, where they're getting ready for the big battle? Like, then some people are like, roar. I said, you're, you're, you're ruining it for me. Amen? I mean, I read one time where it said, Stephen preached a sermon. I don't think that'll happen today, but Stephen preached a sermon in, in the book of Acts, and it says, he goes, he ends his sermon like this, you stiffness uncircumcised in heart and mind. You do always resist the Holy Ghost. Which one of the prophets didn't you destroy? Which You killed the just one when he came to bring salvation. And they went ballistic. The crowd says they gnashed on him with their teeth. Can you imagine what that looked like? I tried to picture things. You know, so I, I get like some are running forward going, other are going, get them one, bite them one for me too. Well, if the devil can get stirred up over demonic things, can't we get stirred up over, over the holy, over the things of God? And I know some people are thinking, I hope it doesn't get wild in here. But we, you know, the Bible says to stir up the gift of God that's in you. And there's always, when faith comes, there's always an aggressiveness to our faith. Let's all stand together. So let me ask you a question. Are you all in? All in. Are you all in? In other words, is your faith aggressive enough that it alters your life? Because that's what motherhood does. Motherhood alters your life. Is your faith aggressive enough that it alters your life? Or is it just convenience? If it's convenience, it's not going to get you anything. You know, like I said about the woman with the issue of blood, she came in the press behind him. She came in the press behind him. And she reached out. I mean, she, she wasn't even supposed to be there. But she, and she was weak. For 12 years, she'd been bleeding. And she pushed through the press. And she, I, I, I wish that's, that's a, a video that I want to see in heaven. I want to see reruns. That, that's one. I want to see her when she reached out and grabbed a hold of that garment. Because then it says she received and she felt in her body that she was healed of that plague.
And Jesus goes, who touched me? And they go, everybody's touching you. No, he said this, someone touched me. See, all her life, for 12 years at least, she had been a nobody. She'd been unclean. But she touched him. When she touched him, he goes, somebody, somebody touched me. Yes, amen. Isn't that powerful? Somebody touched me. And so Abraham became fully persuaded. Are you fully persuaded? That what he had promised, this is what Abraham was fully persuaded. This is what faith is, fully persuaded that what he had promised, he was able also to perform. That's what faith does. It, it becomes fully persuaded. It's all in. It's not convenient. It's aggressive. It's not casual. It's tenacious. There's a tenaciousness to faith that lays hold, that pushes past every obstacle and, se and centers itself in where God is moving. Because God's moving right now. How many of that's true? God's moving. He, he's never not moving. Faith doesn't move God. God's always moving. God's moving right now. His spirit has been poured out. He's moving right now. Faith just moves you where he's moving. Amen. Moves you, not but God. So let's pray together. Lord, we just thank you. We thank you for hope, Lord, that it's a helmet. Thank you for hope, Lord, that it's a helmet. But Lord, we thank you for faith. Hallelujah. And Lord, we're not asking you to give us faith because we as Christians have faith. You said that you dealt to every Christian the measure of faith. We have faith. Lord, I just pray, God, let that faith, let it be in the right environment this morning. Let it be in the right environment tonight. Let it be in the right environment tomorrow. Let that faith be in the right environment so that it can bring forth fruit that it can produce after its kind, that it can produce in our lives the promises of God. Let that faith be in the right environment, Lord. Help us, help us say the right thing. Anoint our lips, Lord, that we say the right thing, that we think the right thoughts, that we speak the right words, Lord, over our lives. Thank you, thank you, Lord, for your people, the people of faith, hallelujah. Let's lift our hands one time, just worship right now. Do you have a worship song? Do you have something we could sing? Okay, go ahead.
lift our hands up one more time and give a big shout of praise to God. Hallelujah. 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 right now that you'd go to heaven. You don't know that for sure. Maybe you're a church member or maybe you don't go to church. We just don't have that assurance. Faith gives us assurance that if we died, that we would go to heaven. And if you don't know that for sure, could you just slip your hand up so I could see it? If that's you, just slip your hand up so I could see it. God bless you, ma'am. Anybody else? If you don't know for sure, God bless you, little one. Anybody else? Don't know, God bless you. Anybody else doesn't know for sure that if you died right now that you'd go to heaven? Anybody else? Join these. Raise your hand. Anybody? Once you raise it, you can put it back down. God bless you, young man. Anybody else? You don't know for sure that if you died right now that you'd go to heaven. Anybody else? Hallelujah. Okay, there's about four people that raised their hand. I want us to pray together. You know, the Bible says that if we confess with our mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in our heart, salvation is not the work of man, it's the work of God. All we can do is arrange the meeting. That's all we can do. God's got to do his work. So would you pray as a congregation, join these four that raise their hands, and just let's pray together as a congregation. Pray after me. Say, Dear Lord Jesus, I repent of my sin. I ask you to come into my heart. Come into my life. I believe that you died for me and rose again from the dead. And I confess Jesus Christ is my Lord. Jesus Christ is Lord in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Praise God. That's awesome. If you raise your hand, I want to encourage you. We're going to have some counselors come forward. If you raise your hand, please come forward and talk to one of these counselors. Tell them that you raised your hand, committed your life to Christ. They have some material that they'll give you. But don't, don't leave today without talking to one of the counselors today. Amen. God's good. We have some refreshments in the back. We have a coffee bar. It's been great doing church with you today. Turn to somebody, tell them it's good having them. They're a good-looking person. Just tell them how great-looking they are. 
And if you do need prayer, if you raise your hand, come forward. If you need prayer for anything, come forward. These prayer counselors will be praying for you. God bless you all. You're free to go.